All right, so we're in Genesis chapter 3 today. Last week was Genesis chapters 1 and 2. Um, now, somebody give me a, a high-level overview of what happened in Genesis 1 and 2. Everything was created, right? And when we got to the end of the story, it was all, it was all good. Well, let me tell you, folks, it all goes downhill from there. It goes downhill very, very quickly. And today, in my mind, is one of the saddest, if not the saddest, story in all of Scripture. Because you move from total and complete perfection to everything's a mess. But even in the mess, there's hope. And we're going to get to the hope. So if you've got your Bibles, we're in Genesis chapter 3. Uh, before we read that... Um, couple introductory comments here on our uh, announcements. Awana starts back tonight for everybody with kids. All that kicks back up tonight. Um, we have a website um, that keeps track of all of our breakfast signups. Uh, that's on our Sunday School website. There's a link to it on our Sunday School website. The Sunday School website's in the footer of your handout. So if you want to know how to help with breakfast signups, please go there. Click on the Food Tidings link and you can sign up for those things. Um, so preview of today's lesson. It's his eyes wide open. The key thought for today's lesson is that sin has a profound effect on our relationships with God and others. Sin has a profound effect on our relationship with God and others. Does anybody need a handout that does not have a handout? No, we're good? All right. So a couple of things. Uh, I'm going to try to do this each week, uh, give you an idea of some things to be on the lookout for as we read through the passage. A couple of things to be on the lookout for that tell us about God. Uh, number one, he leads. God leads. You'll notice that in Genesis chapter 3, there are periods where God is not around. And this is a really big deal, right? Because everything was created perfectly, and there are periods, there are periods where God is present, and there are periods where God is not present. And that was still a perfect environment. And this is a really, really big deal. Some people think that God was always present in the garden with Adam and Eve, and that's just not simply what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that he was there, and then he was not there. Okay? And there are some repercussions to him not being there, and we'll see what those are today. So he leaves. Uh, number two, he questions. You'll see the first time God interfacing directly with man and asking questions back and forth. Um, it's almost like you're setting the stage for the book of Job with the questions that he asks there because these are not easy questions and they get right to the heart of the matter. Um, if you ever want to learn how to question your children effectively, study the questions that God asks man in the Bible because they get right to the heart of the matter. They don't beat around the bush, no wishy-washy, it's right there. So he leaves, he questions. Number three, he judges. Uh, you'll see God pronounce judgment on things. And, and this right from the start sets the stage that he is in charge. If you missed the fact that he created everything in Genesis 1 and 2, he reiterates the fact that he makes decisions in Genesis 3. Number four, he intervenes. And this is the beautiful part of chapter 3. Even all this sorrow and despair, there is hope. Because God swoops in, and if, if you'll let me say this, he saves the day at the end. Um, and then number five, he provides. We see his provision in this story because he always gives us what he knows we need. But he provides. So let's start with Genesis chapter 3. 
Verse 1 says, now the serpent. Now, now the Bible says serpent. Some of your translations may say snake, right? But who do we know that this is? This is the devil. This is Satan, right? And we know this from, there's passages in Ezekiel, there's passages in Revelation that talk about the serpent, that old snake, the devil. So it's, it's all very clear for us later on in the scripture. This is not just the snake going rogue here. All right, if I can paraphrase Gary's sermon series. This is, you know, this, the snake had, that was a joke, guys. The snake had some help going off the path, if you will. It says, now the serpent was more cunning. Barry got that too, didn't you? That was good. Yeah. He was more cunning. Now, this is an interesting word, cunning. Your translations probably have a lot of different words that are substituted for this. Give me some, some words that are used in your translation. For crafty, clever, subtle, shrewd, right? Now, is it ever a good thing to be shrewd? I would say absolutely, yeah. This particular Hebrew word is used several times positively in the Old Testament as prudent, as thoughtful, as thinking things out, as able to comprehend or understand. So this is much more than just sneaky. If, if your translation says leans kind of toward the sneaky side, well, yeah, that's the side that this was going on. But a shrewd person can either use that shrewdness for good or for evil. And we see that this is definitely for evil. So he's more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said... TV timeout, right? Give me 20 seconds here, coach. So he said, who are we talking about? The serpent, right? Satan. The serpent talked. And it, it, maybe this doesn't pose any questions for you. It poses quite a few for me, right? Because I go, hang on. We have animals speaking. So there's a couple things that I, I kind of wonder about here. One was this normal. Because if you look at Eve's response, she doesn't appear to be surprised because she just talks back. Right? We have a Stuart Little kind of thing going on here, right? Okay, so Eve just talks back. So maybe this was normal. I, I don't know. Maybe this was so smooth and crafty and subtle that it just seemed like it was okay. I, I don't know. Several questions in my mind there. So the serpent says to the woman... Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now, many of you have read that questioning God, or many of you have heard that questioning God is a bad thing. And I would actually propose that questioning God is not a bad thing. Jesus did that on the cross. You know, why have you forsaken me? He knew the answer. He still asked his God a question. Questioning God's word I would propose, is also not a bad thing if you're going for the intent to prove it true or to prove it false. But questioning God's words with the intent to deceive someone else, you, you've used that, that craftiness and shrewdness in a whole nother level there. Does that make sense? What would that do, Barry? Oh, oh, yeah. I did, yes, I did. Didn't I? I'm dancing. Most of you know that I like to teach from this corner for a couple reasons. There's nothing behind me in this corner. The problem with standing in this corner is I'm a little bit further away from you, and if I don't ever move, you get a little bit bored. When somebody walks through the door, though, I have to move around to get your attention back because you're all over here, okay? And I've taught, I've taught six-year-olds, and I've taught 86-year-olds, and it's true for both. 
anything and everything in between. You still have to, okay, we're, we're walking. There we go, all right? Like, yeah, Julie gets that one, I think. All right, so, so in verse 1, now the serpent was more cunning. He said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. Is that a true statement? Yes, I think it is. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden. Now, she phrases this very strangely to me. Because did this tree have a name? What was the name of this tree? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Right? Which is a rather lengthy name. But that's what God called it. So that's what we're going to go with. Does she use the name of the tree? Why? You see how we're asking questions? Just constantly, constantly, constantly ask questions. Why would she not use the name of the tree? So here's what I do. I'll give you my two cents real quick. When I see somebody that I just can't remember their name, hey, man, how you doing? If you ever hear me call you buddy, I totally blanked on your name. Sorry. <laughs> I just had nothing. And if you're a lady, uh, hey, how you doing? I just I got nothing to put in there. I don't know the what the pronoun is that you should get, use, you know, I don't know. I, I kind of believe she may not have known the name of the tree. Just maybe. It's a possibility. Having regular conversation, you may not use a name every single time, right? Maybe she didn't think the serpent was that smart, which I don't know, she's talking to an animal, so I don't know. There's that's right. We just say church. We don't say Stuart Heights Baptist Church every time. So there's a couple different things here, but keep that questioning mindset going as we go through this. So we may eat of every uh, meat of the tree. We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, "You shall not eat it." Right? Nor shall ye touch it. Oh, oh! We just jumped off the path, right? Now. Do you think that it would be a good idea to fondle the fruit that you're not supposed to eat? So we're, we're oh boy, it's, this looks good. I'm not going to eat it, but I'm just, mm-hmm. It feels nice. I'll pet it and talk, you know. Is that a good idea? Probably not. You know, and perhaps Adam and Eve had settled on some ground rules, right? Some distance that we're going to put in between what God said specifically not to do, and we're walking. <laughs> How many of you just caught yourselves doing it and didn't realize? Yeah, that's right. There you go. Some ground rules as to what God said specifically not to do and what was probably a good idea not to do, right? I think that's probably okay to set some additional guidelines around let's make sure we're doing something that's not going to get us close to the problem. The problem is she associated man's rules with God's rules. That's the real issue here. She said, God said, don't touch it. No, he didn't. It's not what he told them. But then she finishes it up with a truth part. What's the last part of that verse say? Or you will die. Right? So what does Eve do? Well, Eve added to what God said. She started out with true. She inserted something, and she finished up with true. And sometimes when we're having conversation with somebody, if they start off with truth and they end up with truth, sometimes you just associate with what was in the middle with truth too. You have to be very careful about that. So she added to what God said. Verse 4, Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. 
True or false? That's false. That's outright false, because God said, you will die. The serpent said, you will not die. So he starts off with a lie. He says, for God knows that in the day you eat it, your eyes will be opened. Is that true or false? True. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Is that true or false? That's true. So man does true, false, true. Satan does false, true, true. Not much difference there. Not much difference there. So verse 6. So when the woman saw or inspected or perceived that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant or desirable to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise. Does this, does this remind anybody of a verse in the New Testament? There's the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. It's even in the same order here. It's amazing. You know, that, the, the first John 2.16 is the verse I'm referencing here, if you want to put that in your notes. But 4,000 years later, the order hasn't even changed. This is how we're presented with temptation. It's amazing to me. The devil found something that worked, and he used it. And 2,000 years after that was written in 1 John, he's still using it. So what does she do? She took of its fruit and ate. And here, to me, is a real problem. She also gave to her husband with her. Now, there's great debate about what this phrase, with her, means. Okay? There's great debate about what this means. Does it mean he was standing there next to her? Or does it mean he was in the garden? Or does it mean he was in eyesight? Or does it mean he was... And all of that is absolutely irrelevant because of what he did next. And he ate. <laughs> Doesn't matter. I think he was probably right there and he kept his mouth shut. He may have been going, the snake is talking. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That probably would have been my participation had a snake started talking with Julie. I'd be like, uh, where's my blackberry? I want to take a, can I want to take a picture. <laughs> Get the video going. Is this thing recording, right? I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure. He was with her, and he ate. They both ate. God said, don't eat it, and they ate. And everything changed from then on. I want you to notice how the tone of the passage changes, starting in verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. They sewed figs le fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Now, fig leaves. What do fig leaves grow on? Fig trees. Okay. Y'all are bright this morning. That was awesome. That was really easy. Fig trees. So man used what to try to cover his sin? A tree. See where this is going? You see the foreshadowing for 4,000 years later when this guy would come and he would die on a, a tree to adequately cover the sin that happened way back. Is this not amazing? How many of y'all have never heard that before? This is cool stuff, guys. This is all just right there. In front. He, he used a tree. They sewed leaves together to make themselves coverings. What does your translation say for the word coverings? Loincloth, here we go. Enter bad biblical art, okay? <laughs> Y'all have seen this, right? We try to teach the four-year-olds this story, and you got Eve kind of like doing one of these numbers. It's like, well, I know, they made loincloth, all right? The specific word for loincloth is just enough to cover 
what you could kind of put on broadcast TV. That's the specific word to, to use here. It's just covering what absolutely has to be covered so that you could put it on like ABC or something. Okay? So y'all remember that. Now, so what's the first result of sin? I, I, I would propose that their eyes were opened. Innocence is lost. That's your blank. Innocence lost. Everything changes. Everything changes. Yes, Darla? There is, there is, there are hundreds of pages of literature written on that concept. Uh, Darla asked, how do they decide what to cover, right? Why not the fingernails or your knees or, you know, I don't know. They settled on that, and everybody has been concerned about those areas ever since. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. It, every theologian, if you read commentaries, or like to go out and read uh, theologians, everybody has a different slant on this one. Just all kinds of across the map. I'm not sure that it matters. Um, we'll see what God does a little bit later on, though. So verse 8, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. In the How many of your translations say cool of the day? How many of your translations say windy part of the day? Anybody? The, the literal translation is the windy part of the day. I, I don't know what part of the day is the windy part of the day, though. Is it night? And the sun goes down. Okay. In the evening breeze. The word evening is not there in the Hebrew, but I'll, I figured I'd have some meteorologist, I can't say that word, dude that understands the weather. Right? I, I cannot, there's like six words that I cannot say in our language, and meteor, the dude that understands the weather is one of them. I got nothing there. So I knew we'd have somebody that was really engaged in that. So we'll go with Barry with evening breeze. That sounds pretty good to me. So the, the point is God shows up. Has God been in the garden up to this point in the story? No, he left man alone. So already we get a, a foreshadowing for leaving people alone might not turn out well. Barry's got a questioning look on his face because he's trying to go, are you saying that God made a poor decision? No, I am not. Is that where you're going with that? No. Oh, okay. Was, was that a good idea or not? No, I don't know if I agree with God. He claimed God leaving them alone. You don't think he left them alone? No, I think he was there. Okay. And I, I, I feel that, um, not that Adam and Eve were lined up dogs, that he was watching right. to see what they did. Right. But I think he was, he, even at that point, he was giving them a, the, the Say it, say it. Will. There you go. It's <laughs> awesome. The grocery store. You like that? That was awesome. The grocery store. Yes. How about this? Whatever he did, it was right. It was right and it was just and it was perfect and it was holy and it was absolutely the right thing to do. Now, God shows up in verse 7 and they knew that they were naked. Um, verse 8. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking. And Adam and his wife, and then the story begins to get sad, right? They hid themselves. They hid themselves. I mean, they had this wonderful relationship with God where he, he was there and 
they would walk and they would talk and they would fellowship and, and now they're hiding themselves. So the second result of sin that I see here is that hiding. So you have innocence lost in verse 7. In verse 8, the result of sin is hiding. They, yeah, Shelby said, isn't it amazing what you don't realize you have until you've lost it? Nobody can relate with that, right? They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among or in the middle of the trees of the garden. In the middle of the trees of the garden. Verse 9, the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Aya. In Hebrew, it's one word. Aya. It simply means where. And it's so sad. It's so sad. Where? 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 Because everything had changed. Sin damages everything. He says where. So he, Adam, verse 10, said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So another result of sin is fear. See, these things were not present before the fall of man. So you have innocence lost, you have hiding, and you have fear. Isn't this a great environment now? Yay, for sin, right? No, (laughs) not at all. Verse 11, and he, some of your translations have a capital H, right? This is just a method that translators use to denote that this is talking about God as opposed to a man. Man is a lowercase, God is a capital. It doesn't make your translation right or wrong if you go either way. It's just a clarifying way that your translation might use to show that we're talking about God. So those of you that may or may not be familiar with that. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? Did God beat around the bush? Let it soak in. It was a joke, sorry. No, he got right, yeah. Some of y'all get that tomorrow and you'll be like, oh, I couldn't get to work and I'm thinking about that and it just didn't make sense. He got right to the point. He got right to the point. Have you done what I told you not to do? When, when we are questioning our children, this is a great way to question. Go directly to the issue. Verse 12, then the man said, the woman... Mm, Whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. So we have another result of sin, and we could probably debate the specific word to use here. I'm going to use avoidance, right? Because he was avoiding the guilt, right? I'm kind of dodging, artful dancing here, perhaps. Perhaps this is the first instance of dancing in the Bible. I don't know. Verse 13, and the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. So another result of sin is blame, right? I am, I am passing the proverbial baton, right? It's not me, it's him, right? And we've all done this. We've probably all done this in the last week. No, boss, I didn't do that. That was George. George didn't do what he was supposed to do. Yeah, just own up, you know. It's a lot straight, more straightforward that way. Now, what did God do to the man? God asked the man a... Simple answer here. Question. God asked the woman a question. Now he directs his focus to the serpent. And my question is, does God ask the serpent a question? 
No. So God breaks his pattern? No, God doesn't break his pattern. God asks questions for our understanding. The serpent knew what he had done was wrong, and he willfully acted in that manner. And he was beyond redemption. There was no point to have an ongoing dialogue with the serpent. Right? There was just really no point there. So does God waste his time with questions? Nope. He gets right to the what? The curse. So the God... So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle. More, apparently cattle were like a really big deal then. I don't know. And more than every beast of the field, on your belly you shall go. Which kind of gives the implication that the serpent was not going on its belly before. Right? What would a snake look like that didn't slither on the ground? I, I don't know. But apparently it didn't slither on the ground before. So there's all kinds of neat questions where you go, the thing talked, it might have walked, it, I don't know, sliced, diced, and julienne. I, I, I'm not really sure. Maybe Ron Coe could have sold it on late night TV. I, I, not sure. You guys are dead this morning. Come on, wake up with me here. That's as good as I got, okay? On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. So another result of sin is a lower status. Is a lower status. And I want to be very careful here that this was a curse to the animal, the physical animal, not a curse to the devil. The devil had already had a fallen status. The devil had already been kicked out of heaven. You can read, uh, what is it, I, is it Isaiah? It's Isaiah where it talks about uh, Lucifer was a, a cherub. He was uh, adorned. He was perhaps the, even the music leader in heaven. He sang the praises of God. He was a beautiful, beautiful angelic creature and got kicked out of heaven because of pride that welled up. And all that happened before this story. To the lower status, this is to the animal. Verse 15, now he kind of shifts and he, he starts talking to the devil here. He says, and I will put enmity or hatred between you and the woman and between your seed, is, is the your seed, is that capital or lowercase? Lowercase. And her seed, and that's uppercase. It's not real clear right here, but God's talking about Jesus. That's awesome. Between your seed and her seed. This will be really important later on in the story of the Bible, by the way. Okay? And he shall bruise your head. Anybody have a different translation for the word bruise? Crush. It's a much better word. Strike. Right? So David Bandy, you're sitting up here, so you're going to be my example. If I were to crush your head... Is that going to turn out well for you? Is that going to turn out well for Stacy? Yes. <laughs> Life insurance kicks in, eat. No, 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 no. It's not good at all. It would not be good for Stacy. Crushing of the head is a fatal wound. Okay? What's the next line say? Some of you will notice that this is poetry. Our God is speaking in poetry, even in his cursing, because that's what he's doing here. He is artful. And he is skillful. And he is a master at communication. It blows me away that, that God is speaking in poetry here, and yet it is, it is a curse. And you, this is the capital S, I'm sorry, the lowercase s, shall bruise his, capital H, heel. The serpent shall bruise or crush the heel of the one that is to come, the seed of woman, of Jesus. Is crushing of a heel a fatal blow? 
who is going to win? No, say it like you believe it. Who is going to win? Jesus is going to win. 4,000 years before the event happens, Jesus, God Almighty has already declared who the winner is. That's awesome, man. Holy cow. We know. 2,000 years ago, it was one. When Jesus got up from the grave, it was all over. It was all over. He won. Nobody else has ever done that. Not and lived forever. So to the woman, verse 16, he said, this is God speaking, I will greatly multiply your sorrow, your labor, your pain, and your conception, your whole pregnancy. And the women said, oh, yeah, right? Yeah, this, you want somebody to blame? Right there it is, okay? In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. So another result of sin is pain. Pain. Hiding, fear, pain, innocence lost. This is fantastic, isn't it? Sign me up. Let's get as much of this in our lives as we can. This is what sin does, and it's still doing it today. Yes. Yeah, I, I am smart enough not to get into that because I have already seen our pastor's sermon outline this morning and he's taking care of it in there. <laughs> so I'm going to tag Gary and he's going to take care of that one. How's that? All right? Yeah. All right, verse 17. So, now, it, I, I want you to notice the order because this is part of Hebrew poetry. Hebrew poetry, watch me, guys. Hebrew poetry goes in and then comes out, okay? God started asking questions of whom? Adam. No, no, he started asking questions of Adam. Then he asked questions of Eve. Then he spoke to the devil. He dealt with the devil. He dealt with Eve. He's going to deal with man. This is part of Hebrew poetry is going in and coming out symmetrically. This is what makes it complex and very difficult to write like this. So imagine having your meaning be consistent while you come in in a structured fashion and go out in a structured fashion. It's ridiculously difficult to write like this. Ridiculously difficult. So verse 17, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree which I have commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it, Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. So another result of the sin is a cursed earth. A cursed earth. Verse 18, both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Verse 19, the result of sin is death. Isn't it getting better, right? We started with innocence being lost, and then we went to hiding and fear and pain, and now you're going to die. Woo! No, this is awful. This is a train wreck. Man has nothing, nothing he can bring to the table here. We are woefully and totally unequipped to deal with our own sin. Verse 20, and Adam called his wife's name Eve, which means life or living. 
which I think is a great amount of love in this verse, right? Because, guys, if you were going to call your wife a name at this point, <laughs> Joe's telling the truth, right? Yeah. It ain't going to be life and living. But I think there was already a relationship built here, perhaps, because she was the mother of all living. And here we go, verse 21, you talk about God's provision and God's intervention. And for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics. Now, this is a totally different Hebrew word. The first word was, remember, we talked about loincloths, right? Just cover the basics. Tunics is a full-length garment. Hmm. I wonder if this has implications on our dress. I better not go there. God made tunics of what? Tunics of skin. So... If I have skin, that meant something what? Died. When I sin, something has to bleed. We have a messy faith. We have a very, very messy faith. When I sin, something has to bleed. Verse 22, then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever... Remember, because there were two special trees in the garden, right? There's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which they ate of. They did not, however, eat of the tree of life. Okay? Two different trees. This is a big deal. It's a really, really big deal. Verse 23, Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till or work the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed cherubim. Remember, the last two letters of that word are what? I am, so that makes it plural. There's more than one of these. We don't know how many of them there are. There's at least two, though. He placed cherubim. These are angelic beings that surround the throne of God. Uh, a model of them is placed on top of the Ark of the Covenant, their wings touching. These brilliantly beautiful creatures. They placed them at the east of the Garden of Eden, and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way or the road or the path to the tree of life. So this last result of sin is separation. You don't get to be here anymore. And you end this chapter and you're just kind of like, man, this is awful. But we know the end of the story. Because 4,000 years later, this guy named Jesus comes and he fixes every single one of these results of sin. Flip over to the back side of your handout. Now, this is not a comprehensive list of everything that went wrong in Genesis 3. If you want to find out more of them, make a note of Romans chapter 5. I promise you it will break your heart when you see all the other implications that occurred, all the other ramifications that occurred from the fall here. But this is what, what happened. We had innocence lost, and what Jesus does, it is restored. Sin is hiding from God. Colossians 3, 3 says that we are hidden in Christ with God. He hides us in a different place. Result of sin is fear. Jesus comes and he says, don't be afraid. The result of sin is avoidance. The result of Jesus' action is acceptance. We have blame versus being blameless in Christ. We have a lowered status versus a raised status. We have pain versus he will wipe away every tear and there will be no pain. We have a cursed earth. In Revelation, he's going to make a new earth. We have death. In Romans 6, he gives us newness of life. 
In Genesis 3, something had to bleed. An animal had to bleed. In Luke 22, it talks about Jesus' own personal blood being shed because that was the perfect payment for all sin. And in Genesis 3, there was separation. And Ephesians 2.14 talks about there is no longer a middle wall that separates us from God because Jesus took care of that. There is nothing that went wrong in Genesis 3 that Jesus doesn't eventually fix. There is nothing that went wrong in Genesis 3 that Jesus does not eventually fix. My goodness. There is nothing that went wrong in Genesis 3 that Jesus does not eventually fix. It's just, he, he knocks it out of the park. There's not even a close second. He takes care of everything. How can you not love this man? Oh, this is my passion, guys. This is my passion. That we fall in love with this man that gave us everything. He fixed every issue that we ever had. He fixed things that we didn't even know were wrong. It's amazing. So what do we do with that? Well, application. Number one, sin changed everything, right? It did. Sin changed everything. Number two, God intervenes. And number three, Jesus saves. <laughs> I'm going to get Pentecostal. Jesus <laughs> saves, guys. You know where we are without Jesus? We're stuck outside the garden looking in, trying to get in, going, what do we do? That's where we are without Christ. That's where we are without Christ. So I hope this has been encouraging to you. We're going to do this with a whole bunch of the chapters in the Bible, guys. A whole bunch of the chapters. I'm excited about this series. A couple things. There should be a half a sheet of paper at your table. Write your prayer request down on those. Pray for the next couple of minutes. I want this room cleared Everybody out by 10 till. These chairs need to be stacked up in sevens against this wall. The tables can stay where they are. Thank you for coming and getting, get ready, guys, because Gary Jarrett's about to bring the thunder. <laughs>